Hello and welcome to Reanimated. This is the podcast about all things zombie and undead. We are very pleased to be back after a week and a half um, so that we could have a fresh, <laughs> semi-hot take on the Season 10 quote-unquote finale, Episode 16 of Season 10 of The Walking Dead Prime. Very hyped. Much anticipation about this uh, Season 10 quote-unquote finale. I keep saying that because there's six more episodes coming out. And uh, with me is H.A. Conrad in New York. Hello. Hello. So we don't have a lot of news today, but we we have some. And we can also do a little bit of a COVID update because I hear things about Brooklyn and Queens, H.A. What's up? Well, before we get into that, I think we should discuss how the West Wing is now totally infected with COVID. And, um, you know, I I keep hearing people talk about karma. um, And I think Trevor Noah um, said it best when he said, no, it's not karma, it's consequences. And, you know, this is a group of people that have not taken any of these precautions seriously. And, you know, they've traced it back to a couple of gatherings where you see people hugging and in close quarters and inside and no masks. And this has been the behavior. I think my, my assessment is I'm a little bit surprised that this didn't happen earlier, honestly. Um, but it just keeps like the list of people infected keep getting larger. And in fact, it's, I think one of the largest outbreaks in the DC area. So we will keep an eye on that. But it's uh, pretty interesting to watch how that's being handled or not handled, as the case may be. Um, And here in Brooklyn, yes, we have some hot spots. Um, The mayor has shut down the schools in the areas. Um, He kind of based it on zip code. And then he also wanted to shut down some of the non-essential businesses. Him and Governor Cuomo, this is uh, Mayor de Blasio, um, him and Governor Cuomo don't get along. Cuomo pushed back and said he can't close down businesses, but then basically has come back and said he's his plan is almost exactly the same as de Blasio. I kind of wish they would stop having these public uh, pissing contests and just do what they should do and work together on this. Cause I just don't think th- there's already a ton of distrust of government and outsiders within these particular communities. Cause these are the Hasid communities. So if they see sort of public brawling, I don't know that that's helpful in trying to tamp down these uh, outbreaks. Um, but basically what's going on is that there's no no mask wearing in a large part with these communities. There was some belief that um, because they got hit so hard, and they did um, in the spring, that there's some herd immunity, which there isn't. Um, and they have still, and unfortunately it's also, you know, there's all the, the really high Jewish holidays have happened. So oh, yeah. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, Sukkot. And um, one of the things that happened this past weekend was basically they had been told that they shouldn't be doing this big party that they normally do, like a big street party, like hundreds of people. And they ended up doing it. And there's like videos of more than hundreds of people. It looks like thousands to me, honestly. Um, And so that is why things are spreading in those communities. Um, There's now been outreach and they are shutting things down to try to get a hold on it. I hope they do. Um, One of the things I will say, though, is that, you know, we we're now back at 25 percent. The restaurants have they're allowing people in and people are definitely doing it. Not me and not any of the people that I know, honestly, like we're all of the same mind, which is we're not going to go and dine inside until there's a vaccine and this thing's over, which is sad, but it's where we're at. Um, and, um, 
But we're, we're, I think that there is a fear that because of the opening up now of these indoor spaces and specifically the ones like restaurants where um, the rate of transmission seems to be much higher than in other circumstances, um, I think we're worried that this outbreak, these little hot spots, as they're calling them, are, are more than hot spots. And so, I mean, you know, in one area, uh, like they're, they're at 17% uh, in terms of the rate and basically what the governor and the the this mayor is the had said rate is rate of positive tests or yeah. yeah yeah okay. yeah and i mean basically sort of the borderline that the sort of measuring stick they basically like this is what why mayor de blasio shut down the schools um in those areas is that um if there is three days in a row where your uh the positive tests are at 3.5 percent or above they have to shut it down because that runs the risk of everything spreading and going back to where we were in the spring um so anyway, knock on wood, send out good thoughts for us and wear masks, damn it. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, how are things out by your way? You've guys had some fires and some crazy stuff happening. Yeah, just on top of COVID, it's, yeah. it's been... Um, on COVID, we're doing, we're doing better. We've got a 4% elevated case transmission rate, which is good. But we're still uh, we're still on lockdown. the the scary The kind of scary thing is if we actually make it into the next zone, the red zone, because California has to do things by colors. <laughs> then schools are cleared to open on campus, and then I think we're going to have some really difficult conversations and choices to make because there's a very vocal yeah. component of the population who wants to go back to school on campus, and. Because with all the unknowns with COVID and the effects with the inflammation and Kawasaki syndrome and all this stuff that we don't understand about it, there's no way in hell I'm going to put my kids on the front line uh, willingly. Luckily, our school district has said they're going to do remote learning until December and they're not pursuing a waiver. But I'm just a little worried that when we get our numbers down, which the trends suggest we will, there's going to be a lot more. I mean, because people need to work. And this is the thing. Like, we've, I've gone over this before. It's just, it's an impossible situation. Yep. Yeah. It's just really difficult. Anyway, so on top of well, that, we've got and, fires. And uh, well, that's, been, <laughs> that's been the other part. Yeah. We've burned, what, four million acres? It's, it's uh, bigger than Connecticut or something now. California's yep. been on fire and it's a design. Uh, yeah. I need this year to end. I need it to rain. We have rain on the forecast for Friday. So bring it on. Do some rain dances. Um, yeah, and the other thing, um, not to not to bring it back to COVID, but just to sort of wrap up the, the sort of current state of affairs, I don't know if you saw the CDC guidelines. Two things happened. One is that they put up the... Um, the language that they had previously they had put up and then taken down about airborne transmission and the fact that yes indeed it does happen and that there's certain ways you can mitigate that i.e. be outside and you know have uh, free flowing air that definitely helps disperse but the restaurant scenario makes this particular uh, comment very scary and I think also is in line with what you were just saying about the schools, which is that, you know, you're talking about indoor instruction where people are in close quarters. And even if you are wearing a mask, um, there is a possible of transmission. And the other thing uh, that came out was that basically um, they had been given a hard time about putting out the, the you know, the, the studies they had done with children. And, it, you know, it's not that kids aren't transmitting it. It's just that there's just differences in it. Sorry. There's differences in ages and, 
you know, how, like, how contagious people can be or if they're showing symptoms or things like that. And again, there's so much we don't know about this. This is still a relatively new virus. So I hear you. I wouldn't, you know, as I said, I don't have children, but I wouldn't be sending them to school if I did. Um, and this is, and especially with all the information that is slowly unfolding, um, that Kawasaki's uh, syndrome is terrifying to hear about, even if it is only affecting a few kids. I mean, do you want it? Like, that's the thing. Do you run the, you're, you're kind of like running a lottery, right? Like yeah. there's just sort of like, you just don't know which kid's going to affect that way. Um, so I just think, um, we're going to have to muddle through, but I hear you this, I don't know, man, though, uh, somebody did point out that Mad Max happened in 2021. So maybe we shouldn't be hoping for 21. <laughs> 21. So well, I feel like every so, year we have this, like, oh, see ya 2019, you were a crap year. And then it's I like, oh, hold my beer. I know. Uh, yeah. Um, but that said, um, on the hopeful side, and this is not, you know, and this was the other big thing that the CDC and the FDA put up. Uh, so they basically talked about the realistic, and this is not like, again, this is not anything new. Um, and it isn't, it shouldn't be a shock to people. Um, but there had been a lot of rhetoric and a lot of like, uh, comments thrown around that there would be a vaccine before the election, which I think everybody understood that was false. Um, I hope they did, um, because there are specific safety precautions in place to make sure the vaccines are safe and that there's also public confidence in them. And a lot of that has to do with the trials and making sure that there isn't some, you know, widespread pattern that might appear with side effects and, and really detrimental side effects. Um, and then there's like a specific timeline they have to follow to make sure that they, you know, that nothing is coming up, um, you know, like you finish a trial, but then they need to like basically have a few months in between to make sure that it's safe. Um, and basically the FDA has said, yeah, we're still following these guidelines. These are the guidelines we're giving. And there was some pushback on that from the Trump administration. And I, and I just am like, well, no, this is science and this is how it works and you can't rush it. And I will say that even though this is a slightly slightly faster timeline than they had originally thought it's still kind of in line with what they had been saying all along um and that this goes for every single company that has um you know a horse in this race so um i think looks you know and then again we still don't know about the um the sort of efficiency of these vaccines like so they could be only at 50 percent in terms of giving you protection um which means you might get a milder form of this this is similar like the match might not be exactly right compared to what the actual virus is so you know you're looking at you know for example when the flu vaccine does not work um or i'm meaning not not work when it doesn't match up quite as well like you still have some protection but you might get sort of some of it, you know, so you might get a milder version of it, um, which is still better than nothing. Um, and maybe in this case, it means less of a mortality uh, rate, but it's still, you know, it still remains to be seen what the matchup is going to be and what the protection level of protection it can give. So um, they were all saying that they're hopeful that it's at least 50%. So let's hope it's more than that. But, um, you know, that that's sort of one of those things that I think we're going to, and then of course, you know, you and I have talked about this, like, when do you actually take it? 
like when do people feel comfortable taking it because it feels like there's been a lot of rush with this which is also why i think the fda was like yeah we're going to slow this down a little bit because we need to put all of these safety precautions in place so speaking of any- oh, have you seen uh utopia on amazon prime so i have seen tons of ads for it obviously i am probably in their uh <laughs> in their sites, given my particular consuming habits of these kind of thing. I have not watched it yet. Um, it's another one because... of these overly prescient shows. Uh, yeah. And I, I do um, recommend it. It's just really brutal. Yeah. And I've heard this. And so that's part of why I just haven't been, um, I haven't been quite in the state of mind to watch it uh, recently. So I think that I've been stressed on a lot of different levels. Um Truthfully, I have been rewatching Fringe, <laughs> which that's what I've been doing. It's a little easier um, to, to stomach. Some alternate realities, alternate yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. But I, it's on my list. I just have to basically be in the right frame of mind to, to do it. Yeah. Um, well, so you want to get into, let's get into some news and then let's talk about this finale. Yeah. So uh, this is, I think, good news. Um Bloody Disgusting reported, well, I'm sure that PBS also had something to say about it. Mm -hmm. PBS is coming out with a series of uh, a special Mm -hmm. at the end of October, but there's basically a whole series um, on zombies in October, which we shouldn't be surprised at, but I am a little bit surprised and pleasantly so that it's coming on PBS, a network slash, you know, producer that I respect. So I'm excited to watch... All four of these, basically. Uh, October fourteenth, tw- it's going to be the origins of the zombie from Haiti to the U.S. Yes, Woo-hoo! Sign, sign me up. Um, then, how the Night of the Living Dead changed zombies forever. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's talk about George uh-huh. Romero for days. And then, uh, sorry, and that's on the twenty first. That's on the twenty first. On the twenty eighth, why modern day zombies are so terrifying. And so, yeah, we'll probably talk a little bit about Zack Snyder and all the other zombie stuff that's come out or, you know, in in games and and books and movies. Yep. And then finally, the finale is October 30th, Exhumed, A History of Zombies. And so I totally want to watch all of these. And I kind of think that this is probably some good fodder for us to um, chat about, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I am on board. I was very excited to see this. uh, that this was coming out. So um, and also just some time for Halloween. Woohoo. Um, and then in other news, uh, and this loops in quite nicely, uh, to our finale, but, um, basically there's a, and this is, we've talked about this before, but there seems to be a proliferation of zombie films coming out of South Korea, but not just zombie films, other films too. Um, and I think that this is a great thing to happen. And I think it's very interesting that it has, um, not sure of all of the reasons exactly, but, you know, I do think that zombie films specifically are a way to, to voice some political feelings. And I think even with Parasite, um, that, that definitely, and that, that director makes no, no bones about what he's trying to do, but, but, uh, train, train to Busan and all this other stuff, Kingdom, um, they're, they're definitely coming out with stuff. But in this specific article, they talk directly to Angela Kane, who we very much love. And, uh, she was saying that when, uh, when The Walking Dead started airing and her name was all over it, she started getting calls from people, um, cause she still has relatives in South Korea and they're huge fans, but they were already kind of zombie fans. So I just thought that was kind of a cool thing. 
um, to have that happen and very cool for her anyway. Um, and this is, uh, what are your thoughts about it? I mean, I think they also have, as, as we were saying, um, apparently they just have like these, these amazing, uh, dancers and artists who can be zombie extras in every single production. <laughs> <laughs> like really terrifying and and convincing zombie extras. So, so. We, we are definitely reaping the benefits of this uh, Korean zombie love affair, and so I say more power to them, and I'll, I'll keep watching them if they keep making them. All right. Um, so on to our recap. So this yeah. is the much awaited, and and remember, this was we were like so close to watching this when i mean i can even i can even point to the scene that caused all of the problems right as far as the delay because there is a fair amount of cgi which is all it was it was just that's that's what i'm reading into it but yeah yeah, and we waited for mm. six or seven months for this episode and um yeah so it was all because of the stupid covid yep um but you know on the on the bright side we get to see it now and um one of the things i will say just before jumping into this um well maybe we should jump into it and i can i can throw the my my thoughts about this later but um i do think uh that there were definitely difficulties because of post-production and you can certainly see some of these and i think they even tried to they clearly had some issues I don't know if you saw it. I don't know. It, it's, oh, go, there's go still, for it, it's, dude. What you, what there's you, still you... issues. Um, I just think that this was hyped so much that oh, yeah. there was no way that it could live up to the expectations. It that wasn't even. It wasn't even that it. they were hyping it. Like we were. I was just like the anticipation. There was no right, way no, for no, them no, to, were... to meet that. I think they were hyping it to some extent, but not on purpose, more just because there was nothing else to really talk about and they had to talk about it. And so everybody wanted to know what happened. So they were, you know, they were out there trying to address that, but without giving away too much. But yeah, there was definitely some hyping, at least in my own head going on. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to recognize that in myself too. But I'm also remembering our last discussion about episode 15, the way that ended, that episode ended with like major cliffhangers leading us into this episode. I can I haven't rewatched or like thought about that since, but I can still feel that palpable sense right. of anticipation that I had then. And I do think actually that the way that this episode begins, there are one or two disconnects that could entirely be my fault in my own head. Uh, and I'd like to to point out one of them, the probably the biggest one for me is that when I'm not even remembering people's names. Alden and Aaron got rolled up. Mm -hmm. Remember when they were being really bad at at, uh, being spies? Tracking. Yeah. They they got rolled up by several whisperers, and one of them was wearing, like, a different kind of coat and had a nice gun. And I read so much into that because you never saw their face. Do you remember this? Right. And we were like, oh, maybe it's... I was like, maybe that was Connie, and she's dressed up like a whisperer, and this is how they're going to get her back into the show. But instead, at the beginning of episode 16, they don't even show you that standoff. It's just they're running and fighting, and they're actually kicking all of the Whisperers' asses. Yeah. And it's it's like there was no actual downside to them getting rolled up by the Whisperers, and, and it's actually just the way that they get kind of introduced to Maggie and whoever the, ma- the face mask guy is. The face mask guy, yeah, or girl, as it may be, gal. She, she says he's with me, I think. Oh, okay. Later on in the episode. Like, super cool character, very mysterious, love it, but it, 
doesn't quite jive it, it with what jive I thought on this. Yeah, when I in my head, um, I was like so prepared for some sort of reveal of Connie in that scene. Right. Um, and what I was thinking about this episode was just in terms of comparing it to other finales. And this is something you and I have talked about. It's always like there's this big, massive standoff and, you know, there's death-defying odds and there's all the things that the the people that we follow, the sort of like have to do to overcome those odds. And I don't know. I just think it's very hard to pull out the stops for every season finale in this way. And I also think that this suffered a little bit from a very, to me, um, the sort of pinnacle of this season is actually when, um, when Alpha is killed um, by Negan. And to me, that would have, I mean, personally, I think that would have made a much better season finale in just even the pacing and how it happened and the big reveal. And as long as, as long as that was the end of the Whisperer story, because they've done this before where they don't let the the bad faction get killed off and end the story at the end of the season. And And if it drags (laughs) into the next one, then you suffer from savior syndrome. Totally, totally. And I understand that. But I'm just saying that in terms of like sort of powerful imagery and storytelling, I felt like that episode trumped this one entirely. Um, But I also understand that you've got these massive, look, we've got like several different storylines going on. We've got um, uh, Eugene sort of going for his lady love in a naive and crazy way um, with with his little merry band. Um, Now with the addition of Princess, whatever her name is. Um, We've got Alden and and Aaron. Um, We've got... um, you know, the like we we have basically all these little sort of side stories they're following. And wait, what is the name of the guy that um Michonne Michonne ran into oh, the crazy no idea. dude? But yeah, he he, uh, he Virgil, Virgil, Virgil. Virgil is and his he name. finds Connie at the end of the episode. And yeah, he just kind of like, like shows they... up at, at Oceanside <laughs> earlier in the episode too, and you're like, oh, he's not gone. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer because I don't know. I don't know. Because that was like our least favorite episode of the season was the one where he went, uh, where Michonne went off to his island. It was right, and they do all these flashes, and they're trying to give you like sort of the the group banding together, remembering, and you know, and this is this is just the sort of death-defying odds and whatever. Um, I guess you know, just in terms of like ideas that they're they're doing, their sort of big plan here. when it becomes clear that Lydia can kind of like, you know, their their big plan is that they're going to go to this wagon where they've got a sound system set up and they're going to lead the herd away, which, you know, having like sort of a competing noise to compete, like that's going to like drown out all the whispers. And I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm okay with that. But then when it becomes clear that, that Lydia is able to sort of pick out whispers in this thing, it's like, why wouldn't you spend a little bit more time doing that within, you know, the big herd anyway? Um, it seems. Do you feel like that's a Lydia skill or is that just the Daryl and yeah, the tables get turned so quickly from from I, yeah, our heroes like, getting their asses kicked by the whisperers in every altercation that they have to suddenly the whisperers do not pose much of a threat at all in this in this episode except right. that we do lose one we lose actually a few characters on the <laughs> good side not, yeah but not like nobody not key. the one 
nobody key that I thought they were going to, I mean, I thought they were going to top this off with like some big death and they didn't, but, um, well, so in any case, so they, they sort of like set this all up where, you know, they have their big plan. They have your main people that you would expect going out to execute said plan, like Carol and Daryl and all that. They do the guts trick again. Um, a little more safely thing- this time by not putting it on their faces. I think that's like, the, yeah, they're, yeah, they're drawing that's the line the there. Thing. However, we they have like one skin mask, which is like, okay, but wouldn't you be a little more, su- I don't know. Um, anyway, but when it becomes clear that, and this is something that I feel like they would already know, like, okay, so the whisperers are human. And so they do react to pain. How about, you know, shooting some projectiles off the roof and that would pick off some of them. At least the whispers rely on basically no other noises, no other things happening to distract from the fact that they're hurting them all up, right? Yeah. So Which there's, is, there's a few reasons why that isn't, it's like an unrealistic resolution to the problem that they are facing. They're facing one of the biggest herds we've ever seen. The whispers are really hard to pick out of these crowds, even when there's just a few zombies and whispers. Remember that covered bridge scene where they first meet Lydia? There's like three zombies and four whispers or some, and they, you can't tell the difference. Like they all look the same basically. And, and so in a crowd like this of thousands and maybe hundred thousands of, zom- of zombies, there's no way, there's no way you can do this. Yeah, and it, that's, but... it makes it pretty unrealistic that they in the third act, they uh-huh. are just able to pick yeah. the all the whispers out of the crowd and kill them one at a time, or and really quickly too. Right, right. But my point is, is that rather than have everybody sort of blockaded in into this space, um, at least have something going on. Like, I mean, I'm not like talking about. I don't know. Not like. Like boiled oil off the off the thing. I want to see real medieval. They like, weren't planning on holding this. This was a, this was a hiding place, not a not a fortress, right? I they, know, they, but you're they, were, they were expecting people... the the walkers to go to Oceanside and then plan. I don't know. The plan was, I guess, to pull them over a cliff from there instead of from here. Oh, yeah. stop ruining my fun with medieval torture things. But anyway, no, I I hear what you're saying, and but again, so. They're going off to the crowd, and let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they are able to actually do this. But you're right. They're somehow able to pick the whispers out of the crowd with a lot more ease than we've ever seen them do before. And suddenly the tables are totally turned. This it's, group, yeah, this bizarre. big bad, is suddenly very weak and strange. Um, I mean, Beta is still terrifying. Yeah. But So the, the another thing that this, like strikes me as a, a discordant note in this is that the whispers... They have this is huge army, but they, they spend 99% of the episode just milling around outside. They send, what, like five five whispers inside the hospital yeah. to go and fight them. Like, how, it seems to me that um, the good guys could have easily stayed there and fought them off because the walkers don't even, the zombies don't even come inside the hospital with the whispers. There's, there's no massive overwhelming force inside at any point. It's like a strike team of whispers who, yeah, they're able to overpower uh, Seth Gilliam, a.k.a. Father Gabriel, because he's by himself, you know, and they, they throw one grenade. I don't know. Yep. It, just, it feels like, uh, so yeah, two two of the defenders do get killed, it looks like, but this is not a pitched battle. This is like, a it's a skirmish, and the, the whole army is outside just waiting to get led away. So yep. to me, it just, it falls a little flat. And I'm trying to justify the fact that I had a lot of hype in my head for this, but I'm also just like, oh, that was okay. That doesn't feel like you're using, like the whispers have never been ones to uh, 
avoid using overwhelming force of their secret weapon, which is zombie hordes. And, and right. in this case, they just don't use them at all, it seems like. Right. And then I would say the other main, like one of the bigger storylines in this, it's it's kind of what we've seen already, but um, Lydia initially is left behind and, and she and Negan kind of have words because he's basically, I mean, he, he you know, like he's what he's his and he actually does have genuine concern for Lydia and he has her mask. Um, he has her mom's mask. Her mom's mask. And um, she basically is like, well, you could still be a hero. And they both go out and they do, you know, some redeeming stuff for them. So for Lydia, um, she already was on this team and other people kind of doubted her, but she is on this team and she has, mm. you know, she has a couple of interactions, one with Negan and one with Carol, where it's basically she's just like, look, we can choose to be different than what we are. We don't have to sort of define and make these weird definitions and keep sort of... um you know, having having these bouts of self-flagellation. And then they still have the distrust within some of the people of the group, um, both against Carol, both and Lydia and Negan. Um, and we even have like a very specific, like, they don't do much with it, but in, in, Carol has an interaction with somebody from Oceanside that, that's basically trying to call her out. And she's like, or sorry, from Kingdom, and she's trying to call her out. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know. And just kind of like keeps going. Um, so this is something that we see. They, they sort of thread this needle for this particular storyline. What you just described, that interaction between Carol and Diane, who Diane, who's a, a B, B team, but very much a regular, she's the archer lady. And she's mm-hmm. like, look, Negan led the zombies to to kingdom, kingdom. and that, and that basically was like caused the death of many of uh, many good people and Carol's just like yeah I know sorry about that <laughs> that was that was crazy that was a crazy crazy kind of interaction and I'm not sure how she's supposed to resolve that and the thing with Lydia is she is still a pariah and it's Beatrice from Oceanside and then whatever the Oceanside leader teenager's name is and we're like, yeah, we're not ready to to hang out with Lydia. And I'm like, oh, bugger off. You yeah, kind of. It's xenophobic ocean siders. It's your fault that Rick's dead in the first place. So why don't you just all chill? Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping that we're going to see some insane uh, reunion scene between Maggie and Negan at some point, because that was also part of why Rick is dead, uh, yep. was, was Maggie's insistence on revenge. Which clearly, five years later, I think, I don't know, I'd be interested to see where that goes. However, Lydia is a pariah. Her only real friends are Daryl, who is influential, but it seems like he doesn't really use that influence. And Carol and Negan. And Carol and Negan are also hella pariahs right now because of what they've done. This is like the pariah club here. It it is. It's like the outcasts. But they're... They're also like the bosses, and I don't mean that like they're in charge. I just mean they're they're like a bunch of bosses. They're badasses. So I'm curious to see how they're going to resolve this like Lydia saved us thing that Carol is pitching at the end of the episode with mm-hmm. the fact that people think Carol is a, a, a terrible person, and you know, <laughs> so I don't see Lydia's situation changing. But I felt like at the end of this episode, the, uh, the show was like, "See, Lydia's going to be cool now because Carol said that she saved our saved the day." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Be- yeah, Beatrice Carol, being Carol's... dead is helpful in that regard yeah, because yeah, Beatrice maybe, was one of the, the haters." One. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look, I think maybe now that there is the threat of the whispers is done. Um, 
I will say that this was the other thing that that I don't want to say it troubled me, but you you build up Beta to be such um, a force, and he is scary, and he has been scary, and he's been one of the more interesting characters uh, for so many reasons as part of this particular evil uh, group of people, and um, you know I kind of felt like the the confrontation that brings him down is sort of it was a little bit of a letdown (laughs) like it is but it's also the way that they make it not a letdown is he's been having these visions right like the zombies are talking to him and all that and okay but they by the end of this in his death scene they almost make it feel like he is like part zombie because of the way that he goes down into that mob yeah negan's looking at it going Oh, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Negan, yeah. Is, Negan no, is taken aback by it. So I thought that the, that actually helped. With the that sense scene. of humor about it, um, you know, I just liked, you know, remember the fight scene between him and Daryl, the where he ends up down the elevator shaft? Like, that to me was amazing. And yeah. I, I know that they can't do all that much here because of time and everything else. Um, but I did, I mean, the part of this whole scene that I did like was this the ending um, when he's kind of being, his mask is torn away and Negan realizes he's the whatever <laughs> country star he is. And Daryl's like, he's nobody. Yeah. And it's just like the humor of this, I feel like they hit the right notes on that stuff. That, so that was, I don't even know if that was supposed to be funny so much as maybe it was. But yeah, I the, think it all was. these like revelations about how he's famous and then Daryl, who might not have even known who he was, is just like. I also, I mean, you know, I just love Negan as a character, but just Jeffrey Dean Morgan just really always brings it. And his appearance, just even his sort of like announcement uh, to uh, Beta that he's there is amazing. (laughs) And like, it just is lovely. Um, And even honestly, his interactions with Lydia, where he's trying to be, you know, he's still Negan. But he's definitely looking out for her against his, you know, he doesn't want to admit to being somewhat of a good guy. Um, Hey, what did you think of Beatrice's death scene, speaking of that? Because it's a little bit complicated. She's paired up with Carol going through the mob and they run into a whisperer. She gets stabbed in the leg and Mm -hmm. she doesn't scream. I guess she does. Like the zombies are going after her and Carol's reaction to that. What do you what did you think about that scene? I mean, it's it's kind of like they're in the midst of it, and I don't think Carol's reaction... I mean, I think it's like, you know, there's nothing that she can do about it, and Beatrice basically is still looking out for the mission because she wants her to take the backpack, and Carol can't get to it. So, obviously, we've got a Lydia moment here um, where okay. she grabs it. But I, um, I read a little more into it. Like, Carol just kept walking away, even though Beatrice was going, Carol! Take this, and Carol's like, Mm-mm, just walks away. I mean, well, maybe that was self-preservation, like, but I think it was self-preservation. But also, I also think that part of it was if she had somehow gotten involved with it, she would have gotten pulled in. But also, if there are whispers around, they're going to see who she, you know where she is. So, I mm. kind of thought that was what it was. Um, but you know, who knows? It's Carol, so <laughs> there's I mean, a chance she just was like, "I'm getting out of here." Yeah, she had a look on her face that I feel like I've. Seen when she's doing something selfish and uh, putting other people's lives in, in danger, which is kind of her M.O., certainly this season. Yeah. There's a few things that I feel like could have made this slightly better. I also feel like Maggie's reappearance was a little lackluster. It's just sort of like suddenly she's there. We didn't get... To me, we didn't get enough of her, and we didn't get enough of an explanation. We have her reading the we, letter yeah. with her All mask friend. All these people friend. are dead. 
<laughs> all these people are dead. Um, we just don't have enough. And granted, again, they're trying to crush a lot into one episode. So we'll probably see more of that later, obviously. But, um, you so know. The, the episode ends with a, a pretty big um, reveal. Yeah. Reveal. And the, the actual like journey to get there to meet Stephanie doesn't go so well because apparently Eugene can't ride a bike and crashes it in such a way that he actually breaks the bicycle. I'm like, dude, there's no traffic. I don't know <laughs> what what did you hit to bend your wheel. Um, yeah, but, right. So they get to the the train yard after sundown. So he's like, oh, it's that's it. It's not gonna work out. There's some funny stuff with Princess, and she does make everybody laugh because she calls him a horny dude. And uh, there's some, there's some. She's just gonna be a one liner machine. I feel like this character, and I'm pretty excited yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the the reveal of the uh, of the stormtroopers. Yeah is um well dramatic they i i'm curious about why they have to wear white uh like why they're not trying to blend in with their surroundings mm-hmm. I'll, i guess we'll find out I don't, i've never read any of the arc about the commonwealth so i'm excited to learn more about them well and then you know again i just found this whole storyline like the fact that they're even going out to find this person in the way that they're going out and the way that eugene was revealing things over the wall like I'm just still bothered by all of that, and I don't really buy that they would actually do that. But okay, they're gonna do it, and we're gonna talk about the whatever this is. Yeah. Um, and then the other part with um, Virgil finding a very like rundown Connie who looks like she's been through the rainer is is the other part of the reveal here. Um, and let's see, there was something else. How much else. time has passed since the mine cave in? Do we have any idea? Is it more than a day? I think it is. <laughs> so she looks, but again, she was like in an explosion too, I guess maybe that's, yeah. and she had to probably dig her way out. So that's probably her state of things. Yeah. Um, and she was also down there with a bunch of walkers. So, you know, there, there's, there's probably a lot going on in this, this poor survivor's head. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The, the whole, um, you know, where Carol is, is ultimately saved by Lydia, much like she had saved Lydia before, like oh, from yeah. committing suicide. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I think that that story arc is going to be, we'll probably see a little bit more of that, um, later on. Um, but you know, I just thought that was a nice little symmetry there where, where Lydia basically is just like, no, no, no. Honestly, this episode did do a lot for their relationship. The stuff where Lydia is saying to her, like, I'm not trying to replace my mom with you. This could be something different. I feel like these are really, we definitely, Carol needs another kid. Not at all, obviously, right? Because right. every, everybody she adopts ends up dead and, and she yep. just loses her mind a little more. Well, the other thing I would point out that Lydia's definition of mom is not necessarily <laughs> the most positive thing. So maybe something a little differently defined would be a positive thing I for think her. They should work on they should work on some sort of just like, uh, you know, mentee mentor sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, I was not a huge fan of the Lemmings, uh, Lemming zombies scene. I felt like there was nothing to me to explain why the zombies would walk off that cliff nope and also when carol kind of stops and then when she kind of goes down and her and lydia just kind of do their own thing i feel like they would have noticed that 
too, because they just sort of came, they noticed things that are sort of outside of the herd, basically. Um, and that didn't really, that wasn't explained enough for me. But, you know, I am glad that this episode finally got aired. Um, I definitely would probably would have felt a little differently about it had it been aired in time. Um, but I, I'm trying to sort of um, balance what my expectations were, which were huge and probably a little outsized for this. But um, but there were certain there's certainly good things in it. Um, I'm glad to see Maggie's back. Um, I like the princess character, and I think that that's nice that there's like a new something to at least talk about. Um, so yeah, so we we shall see what happens. Um, I was a little surprised that uh, the king is still alive at the end of the season. I was convinced that he was going to be worm food because of the the cancer, and um, you know, like two episodes ago, he was having trouble fighting off walkers like he was his health is on the decline it'll be i mean I'd, well I, it would have been wondering... maybe a little nice closure to, to have him killed off in this season well but maybe there's medical something we don't know about that this group has because clearly they seem very organized and um it definitely looks like a larger community so um we shall see what happens i i agree with you i thought I honestly thought that he was doomed um, the minute they sort of sent him out on this thing, especially with his goodbye with Jerry. Yeah. Um, but hey, well, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's in it for another uh, for another season. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Kari Payton. So me too. He's he's to, amazing. Good to just. Have I'd love him to see around. him. I'd love to see him on a lot more than just this, honestly. So, um, you know. But anyway, so so that is it for this particular episode. Any other comments or thoughts about it? I'm sure I've got a couple more that we haven't managed to get out, but this is enough for now. So okay, so that uh, that wraps up season season ten, episode sixteen, not the finale uh, as we now know. But we will be back with more Walking Dead as we start our recap and review series on The Walking Dead: The World Beyond the new spinoff for the YA audience, or we'll find out, uh, starting, yeah, in, in about a week or so. So I hope that you can come along for the ride. Also, let us know your thoughts about this season finale. Um, was Beta's outro too anticlimactic? Are we happy that Maggie's back? Are we happy that Beatrice is gone? Do we believe that walkers just walk off cliffs? I mean, kind of, kind of we do, I think we do. I guess we do. But, okay. um, but in any case, yes, thanks for listening. And uh, if you feel like uh, sending us a note or, or making a comment on the season finale, send us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, or you can uh, leave us a note on the site, reanimatedpodcast.com. Cool. And until next time, ciao. Thank you. Bye.